0: Welcome to the All People's Church Podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. I want you to turn in your Bibles to a couple of places actually. Pastor Molus already took us to Matthew 19, and I asked him to uh, talk a little bit about the rich young ruler because I want to use him as an example. But as you stand this morning, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6.25. If you're watching us online, wherever you are, YouTube, Facebook, I want to thank you. I please want you to like it and share it with anybody that you can this morning. But in Matthew 6.25, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins to teach the people as as you're hearing these words i want you to think if you had heard this for the first time if i was hearing this for the very first time listen to the words of jesus he says therefore i say to you do not worry about your life i mean we could just stop right there don't worry about your life what you will eat and what you will drink nor about your body what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing Now he's at the Sea of Galilee those of you that were in Israel with me we went there Literally there's birds that are flying around there's lilies Jesus is pointing to natural things that are all around him and he says look at the birds of the air For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly Father feeds them Who feeds them Father feeds them. They don't even work for their food, he's saying. Are you not more, are you not of more value than they? Are you not more important than the birds, is what Jesus is saying. Or which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature? Or in other words, he's saying, can you make yourself taller? How many people would like some height, you know what I'm saying? Or in another place, he says, can you add hair to your head? I wish. (laughs) Verse 28, he says, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, Which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Will he not much take care of you? He says, O ye of little faith. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Everybody say pursuit. Pursuit. Unbelievers are, are looking at these things. Unbelievers are prioritizing these things. But he says, For your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. Daddy knows you need to get dressed. Daddy knows you need to be fed. Daddy knows you need to pay your mortgage. Daddy, Daddy knows you need to pay your bills. He knows. Everybody say, God knows. But then he says this, but come on. Jesus is giving a prescription here. He's giving an order. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, the the right things to do and all these things. How many things? Come on, how many things? All these things shall be added unto you. And therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, Jesus is not saying don't pre-plan. Jesus is not saying don't be strategic. He's not saying don't think ahead. What what he is saying is don't be worried. Don't, Don't get stressed out. Because, my friends, listen, stress is misplaced energy. Everybody has stress. Everybody has problems. Everybody has issues. Here's what Jesus is saying. There's enough problems in today. Why? Why concern yourself about tomorrow? Here's the truth. You might not be here. Why waste that kind of energy? Why, why waste sleep? This is what the Lord is saying. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we humble our hearts. We humble our lives. I thank you for these lives and souls that are listening, ears that are hearing, eyes that are seeing, hearts that are open this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Amen. Will you will you greet somebody without touching them this morning? Will you just say hi to, give him some virtual high fives? Hallelujah. Woo. <laughs> oh, bless the Lord. All right. How, how many are gonna how many are going help me preach this morning? Come on. The um, I got to be careful what I say because I'm online now. But the 9 a.m. service, they were a little bit grumpy. I think they were a little, they were <laughs> they were. <laughs> yeah what are you laughing about you got to sleep in praise the lord (laughs) i want to tell you a little story as we as we uh begin this morning to really talk about help i've fallen and i can't get up and i'm really calling this morning service first things first it's really about a message of focus it's a message of Priority. It's a it's a message of recalibration and and really considering our spiritual coordinates and where we are in, in life and where we are in our in our walk with the Lord. Because the truth is, we are living in difficult times. I mean, this isn't. We're not just saying those things. These are these are things that are the truth. They, we are living in some tough times, and most likely it's going to get tougher, particularly for believers in Christ. But I want to give you this illustration because you know, the Lord taught me a long time ago that that when I'm going about life, I'm I'm to actually pay attention to the things that are happening around me and to learn lessons that are happening so that I can draw from them, learn, grow, and then teach others. This past summer, I, I did something that I've never done before. One of, our, one of our elders, one of our spiritual leaders here at the church has been ever, uh, forever saying to me, Pastor, I want to take you fishing. I, I want to take you fishing. I want to take you fishing. And I was like, okay, you know, I want to take me fishing. He goes, Yeah, we're going to rent a boat. We're going you know, we're gonna, to we're gonna go fishing. Again. And so some circumstances came together uh, that it was not only really fishing, but actually became uh, some ministry as well. And five of us, actually decided to go out and go fishing. We rented a boat. Um, This, You know, our elder Sean there, he has a a boating license. He he has a fishing license. And so we all got a one-day fishing license, and we went out fishing. Now, if you know anything about your pastor, your pastor doesn't fish. I know that Jesus fished. I know the disciples fished. Pastor was at the meat market. You understand the only... The only thing I know about fish is that we go to a market and, and and they're on ice, all right? Even though my wife, Pastor Carolyn, actually is the the fisherwoman in our in our family, she grew up. I mean yeah, she can she can gut them, she can. Yeah, fillet them and all, you know, the whole nine yards. And so they said, "Hey, let's 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 go out fishing." And I thought, "Hey, it'll be a it'll be a you know it'll be a great day." And there were two powerful lessons that I learned from that day. Multiple, but here were the top two. The number one lesson that I learned was that if you're not careful, you're going to drift. We got to a certain place after traveling about an hour out you know, in in the lake here in northern Ontario, and, you know, we had put down the anchor. Listen to what I'm telling you. We had put down the anchor, and, and then, of course, we put our poles in the water. We're looking for fish, and, you know, thank God the captain of the boat, which was Sean, thank God the captain of the boat was focused because all of a sudden from the middle of the lake, even though we had dropped anchor, we drifted, and we were about to go onto people's property and docks. And he made a statement. He said, I said, uh, I said, bro, uh, the land is very close now. (laughs) And he made a statement. He said, pastor, if you don't pay attention out here, it's easy to drift. If you don't pay attention, if you're not looking at those coordinates, it's easy to drift. That That was my number one lesson. My second lesson is it's one thing to go out there, And you know, you're traveling, and you're traveling, and you know what I found out? You get an hour out there, my friends, when you need to come home, everything looks the same. Islands look the same. Land looks the same. The the shore looks the same. That if you don't have a good sense of direction, and sometimes some very good instrumentation, it is very difficult to find your way back. Landmarks are not easy to find. This is why I thank God. I thank God for whoever created GPS. God bless you. I love you. You're, uh, you know what? I even named my GPS system. I changed her voice. She speaks to me. And, and before that, Pastor Carolyn was my GPS system. I replaced Pastor Carolyn with, with, with new technology. <laughs> I love GPS. I love coordinates. But you know, on the way back, I wasn't stressed out. You know why? Because I knew the captain of the boat knew how to get back home. He said something to me. He said, you know, Pastor, one of the ways, one of the ways I find my ways, I, I look for either color or buildings or something that, that's, that's, you know, that's on the shore that helps me to know this is the way that I come back home. Because it's easy to drift in the midst of, of pulling and, and, and attra- you know, attractions of the world and, and distractions, which I'll talk about this morning. That, my friends, listen, no matter how old you are and no matter how long you've walked with Christ, it is easy to drift even at the end. So many pulls. So many things that are vying and competing for our attention. And, and sometimes when life happens, difficult things. Loss of loved ones, loss of jobs, loss of relationships, things that are unexpected. All of a sudden, we can't, watch this, not only do we lose our focus on Jesus, but you know what we can do? We can actually replace Jesus with, with religious activity, as Pastor Moses was saying. That no longer like Peter that went out of the boat to walk on the water, and, and the Bible says he, he saw the wind, and he saw the storms, and, and when, when he removed his eyes from Jesus, he began to sink. And sometimes, rather than sink, you know what we do? We take our eyes off the Lord, but then we fill our lives with, with well, I'll just go to church, and, 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 and I'll, you know, I'll pay my tithe, and I'll do the religious things, and, and, and yet those things don't replace the Lord. As I read the New Testament, the more I read it, the more I look at the kingdom of God, it says to me, my friends, that that everything always points to Christ. It always comes back to this relationship with the Lord Jesus, and then from there, from there, the the righteousness and the good works that we do should flow. Not that our good works should replace him. So that we become very religious, but at the end of the day, we actually lack the person. Now, I just want to say this to you that, that are non-fisherman people like me. I'm going to teach you how to fish. Because I've, I've got it all down. Are you ready for this? Number one, here's how, here's how pastor fishes. They just tell me where to show up. I show up. They buy the worms for me. When it's time to put the worms on the hook, they do that for me. They teach me how to cast. I cast, because I know you're asking the questions, Pastor. Did you catch anything? I caught thirteen fish. <laughs> come on, come on, somebody give God praise for that. Yeah, tell Brother Zabdiel, because he's an unbeliever. He said, he said to me, "Did you catch it?" That was the first question he asked. Now, did you have fun? He said, "Did you catch anything?" I did. Some of them we had to throw back, because you know they were, uh, they were actually small, but. I did catch them. When I caught them, they took the fish off the hook for me. And then on the way home, as I'm traveling home, they, they gut and they clean the fish on the boat. That was Sean's son, Ricky, did it for me. Wow. Come on, sis. You got to know people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I get off the boat. They buy ice for me. They put my fish on ice. <laughs> and then I took it home to my cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, some of you come home with flowers. I come home with fish. <laughs> hey, honey, I brought you fish. She was so proud. Now, I'm not a big, I don't like eating fish, but she makes me because of the omega-3 and the whatever. And, that. and I said, you know, I said, I just want to taste, I want to just taste my fish because it's like a victory fish, and she had cooked it up, but i tell you, it was good that I ate the rest of it. You know what I mean? It was like, maybe it was because it was my fish. A few things I want to draw. First of all, let's look at our central truth today. If you desire or, you know, if you desire to adjust your current spiritual coordinates, you need to consider the things that you're pursuing. Everybody is pursuing something. Everybody is after something. Jesus said, The Gentiles seek after these things, what they're going to eat and where they're going to live and what they're going to drive and how they're going to look. He said, but you're not like that. The kingdom isn't like that. Not that you don't have need of these things, But Jesus said, I I want to change your priorities. I want to change your focus. And so here's my very first thing, looking at the rich young ruler, because my friends, honestly, I believe we're living in an era of the rich young rulers. In other words, we're we're very performance-oriented. We're very success-oriented. We have some religiosity to us. And then we come to Jesus because somewhere in our heart, much like the rich young ruler, he realized there's something lacking in my life. Everything I'm doing by my own power, by my own ability. Because, by the way, the law was about you utilizing your ability to keep the law. And the moment that you broke one law, you were guilty of all of them. And Jesus never argued with the young man to say, listen, you know, as Pastor Moses pointed out, that, that obviously he had broken... He had broken all of them or because he had broken at least one of them. But, but when, when, when Jesus said, hey, listen, you continue to press me, this is what he said to him. He said, here's the one thing that you lack. Here's what you're missing. If you're going to be perfect, if you're going to be mature, if you're not going to have that divided loyalty for you, young man, here's what you need to do. Go sell everything, give it to the poor, and follow me. I remember the question. What do I have to do to gain eternal life? I want to I not focus just on the temporary Jesus and I'm hearing what you're teaching and, and that you're from God. And so what do I need to do? What do I need to do? My friends, my first point is what's the one thing that's keeping you from Jesus? Your one thing. It might not be sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Maybe that might not be the thing, but what is your thing? What is your one thing? What is, what is that one thing that maybe is holding you back or or causing you, and here's the key word in this point, distraction. We are living in a world of distraction. And distractions, my friends, they have to be managed because we're talking about the difference between the eternal and the temporal. And the majority of our energy, our time, our focus, our money is usually on the what? On the temporal, it's on the now, with very little emphasis on the eternal. Maybe once we get older, we think about, oh, you know what? My, my, my days are coming. I, I need to begin to think about the, the things of heaven and the things of God. But for the most part, and, and, the, and the more difficult life gets and the more pressure we're under, we get into this survivalist mode. How am I going to survive what am I going to do? How am I going to adjust my life now? And everything is consumer-based, isn't it? It's about I want to consume something. I need the, the latest and the greatest and the, and the better. And soon, you know, Apple will come out and make, and make announcements about new products. And, and your phone that was amazing a few months ago is now garbage. That's the way we work. In my, in my parents' era, they fixed things. You're, anybody know what a VCR is? You had a VCR I'm using that for a point. You had a VCR and the eight-track, yeah. You had a VCR. broke. you know what you did, you fixed it. What do you do today? You throw it out. Because it's a consumer mentality. I buy, I buy a new one. They've made it so that fixing isn't the answer. The answer is throw it out and buy a new one. Distractions, getting more. The, the concept of the person with the most toys wins. No, my friends, listen, the person with the most toys dies like everybody else. So Jesus said, You need to sell everything. Now, I want you to watch. Why you to watch this? Because the rich young ruler must have begun to make an assessment of, of Jesus and the disciples and remember he's influential he has he has money in a in a time where you had the rich and the poor unlike today we have the middle class although they're trying to wipe out the middle class right and return back to the rich and the poor in that day you were basically rich or poor this guy had a lot to lose And I'm wondering if he looked at Jesus and thought, you want me to be like you? You want me to be like these guys? And and he must have looked at the people that were following Jesus and he said, you want me to associate with with this group of people? You want me to come down in society? You you want me to come from this place of influence and religiosity and, and be one of your minions? Doesn't look like a good deal because he had an abundance of possessions. And, and watch this. His, his possessions were actually counterintuitive. They, they worked against him spiritually, but remember why he came. He came for a spiritual answer. I want eternal life, and yet the temporary is what kept him back. He wasn't willing. I wonder if Jesus thought, you know, if you knew the riches that I came from, If you knew the place that I left for you, and I'm asking you to leave the temporary for the eternal, and I have left the glory of of all glories to come here for you, if you only knew what I did for you, and you cannot reciprocate, it's a good question. What's the one thing? What's the one thing? Number two, I want you to see this. Christ followers are defined by a different set of priorities and standards. My friends, in other words, when Christ comes into our lives, we have different values that we live by. When Jesus teaches us about the kingdom, you know what he's saying? I have values in my kingdom of of honesty and integrity and righteous things that even in circumstances where it looks like you will have a loss in order to do the right thing, I expect you to do the right thing because you have a set of values because you live by standards and watch this your standards don't change in the kingdom because the culture changes the standards don't change because it's now not popular to be a believer in Christ as a matter of fact the Lord says this is the time where you need to stand I read something online just yesterday and someone that I know you know they posted they they post these cute little quotes you know and and the quote was this. Basically, it was kind of like this. You can't raise your children like your parents raised you because that world no longer exists. My answer was, that's exactly why we need to raise our children with the values because that world no longer exists. Like, what are we talking about here? You're gonna, I'm going to change my values because the world changes? This is why the kingdom has come. This is why you and I are light and salted. so watch this. When, when, when we lose our ability and our willingness to be in line with the kingdom and the standards and the priorities, then, then we just become like the world. I've had conversations this past week, very interesting conversations, particularly, I, you know, I've told you about people that want me to write them letters about about the vaccine, and uh, one conversation took place in the lobby, another one took place on the, on the phone. It was very interesting, and I, you know, both conversations ended this way. I said, are you willing to be terminated? You say you have these convictions. You say you, you know, you're not, you know, these were like, I'm not taking the vaccine. Are you willing to be terminated the one person said listen pastor i have a very good job and i don't care if they fire me these are my convictions and if they fire me i'm going to believe god and trust god i'm not taking it second conversation pastor i have children and i can't afford to lose my job and by the way i understand that but but watch what you're saying See, you're saying your convictions lead you only until your paycheck is impacted. Where the other person is saying, I don't care what's impacted. This is what I believe, and I'm not doing this. And, and many times, watch this. We believe we have certain convictions, but then when push comes to shove, it's not really a conviction. It's like, okay, I'm going to back off now. Anybody with me? And I'm not talking about the vaccine, I'm, I'm talking about all kinds of life circumstances that, that, that we say things like, well, God understands and God will know it. Listen, I keep telling you, my friends, what, what if not a faith is sin. In other words, if you have a conviction and you don't follow that conviction, you're in sin. Because you believe something to be right and, and something to be wrong. And therefore, if you don't do what you believe to be right, it's sin, whether it's in the Bible or not the Bible. So I ask the question about values. Am, am I surrounded by people that, that share the same values as me? When I do wedding counseling, you know I, I, I try to, you know, I try to cut through all the fluff. Oh, pastor, we're in love. My God, the sun rises and falls on her. And oh, my God, her eyes are like pearls. And he's, he's you know, he's. I'm like, yeah, let's get over all that stuff. What do you believe? What are your What are your values? Do you value the same things? Do you want the same things? Do you Do you have the same dreams? Do you have the same set of priorities? Because it's amazing that you know after after the sexuality kind of fades away, how other things begin to surface. A lot of you going back to school right now. Who's Who's your circle? Do they share your values? Or they don't share your values because I'll tell you, here's what the Bible says. Bad company corrupts good morals. They translation. They will influence you more than you will influence them. Get out of that circle. Get out of that company. Parents, you need to know you need to know who your children are hanging around. You have to know that circle. Who are your friends? Bring them here. Bring them to this house. I want to meet them. I want to talk to them. I want to know them. Parents, let me help you. We are, we are living in a day. You know, if I hear this statement once again, well, well, pastor, they're Christians. I could care less. You telling me today that somebody is a Christian means nothing to me until I meet them, I greet them, I find out who they are, I get into their life a little bit, I kick the tires a little bit. Oh, it got quiet in the church. Some of the young ladies are like, "Well, you know, Pastor, I'm going to date." Yeah, who is he? Bring him here. Ooh, yeah. Bring him here. Our pastor wants to talk to him. <laughs> right. Well, we would never bring him here. Well, why not? <laughs> I had this. I had this beautiful couple. They were in the 9 a.m. service, and I was I was going to counsel their daughter and and married them. I actually married them to a young man that I that I didn't know, and they said to me, Pastor, we know you're going to ask questions that we just can't answer (laughs) or that we can't ask. You want questions asked? Parents, come to me. Because my popularity doesn't matter. What matters to me is that they're protected. What matters to me is their future. I would rather offend some people and care for them than sell them down the river. Pastor Carol says to me, this is why you have no friends, and it's true. Yeah, <laughs> It's true. But i tell you what, I'm going to give you the truth. You know why? Because I would expect people to tell me the truth. I wrote down a quote here. I'm going to put it online. Listen, listen to me, church. Give your absolute best to the things that will last forever. Give your absolute best to the things that will last forever. The things we spend so much time and energy on, effort on, they, they just wane, don't they? Your priorities. Anybody ever buy a brand new car? Told you the story before. By the way, I believe everybody, at one time in your life, you should have a brand new car. And when you get that brand new car, it's like, listen, you can't eat in this car, you can't have coffee in this car, you can't cough in this car, you're going to wipe your feet before you get into my car. And last, lasts for about a month. And then your mother, you know, your car looks like trash. And then you're like, I need a brand new car. And the and the cycle starts all over again. How many things, listen, how many things that you have in your home right now that you would say, Oh, these are these are prized possessions and you don't even know where they are. You know what Jesus said? Treasures in heaven. Yes. Treasures in heaven. Because they're not going to be robbed there. They're not going to rust. They're not going to mold treasures in heaven. That, my friends, listen, whatever we do on this earth matters in eternity. Here's my third point. i got to get moving. We have a, a few babies to dedicate this morning. Number three, you will have to go beyond religion to know Christ and his kingdom. Everybody say the word Pursuit. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, your religious activity isn't enough. If you really want to be perfect, if you really want to be right, if you really want to get your heart absolutely correct, this is the thing that you need to do. This is what will undivide your heart because you're pursuing the wrong things. Secular people pursue this. Get beyond religious activities, my friends. Get get, get beyond the things that we know to do are right. Pastor, you say we shouldn't do them? Absolutely we should. But understand that you do them because they flow out of a relationship with Christ. Let me be honest with you. There are things I do, even as a pastor, that I only do because of my relationship with Jesus. People that have been mean to me, people that have miscommunicated with me, people that don't deserve my time, that don't deserve my attention, and I'll get the prodding of the Lord, and the Lord say, call this person, text this person, and I can argue with the Lord and say, Lord, they don't deserve it. They haven't been right. Don't you know what they did? Don't you understand? Don't you know these things? But the Lord says, hey, you're bigger than that. And because I love them, you're going to love them. Now watch this, church. You don't have to like everybody, but you have to love everybody. Did you hear what I just said? You don't have to like everybody, but you have to love everybody. But when the Lord prods you and the Lord pushes you and the Lord and the Lord puts some, you know, I, I want to put some some, you know, God kindly pressure on you to do the right thing, his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness. Church, some things are just right to do even though some people don't deserve it. Probably the majority of the people don't deserve your forgiveness, but you're called to forgive. They don't deserve your second mile. They don't deserve your other cheek. But the Lord says you are called to do these things. And so, my friends, listen, religious activity is not enough. Look at your coordinates. Are, are you really focused on the Lord, or have you filled your life with religiosity? Oh, pastor, don't, don't, don't you know how many podcasts I listen to about the Bible? Do you know how many YouTubes I listen to? Do you know? Do you know how many things I, I don't care, honestly, church? I don't care. All that stuff is fluff. Christ, tell me, tell me your tell me your coordinates with Christ. Tell me your proximity to Him. Here's my fourth point. Your pursuit will require faith, obedience, and trust. Here's, here's my key word in this point, and the word is trust. Here's the truth. You are not going to obey God unless you fully trust Him. The rich young ruler had to make a decision. You want me to give up my entire life and my reputation for what? Jesus, what are you going to give me in return? What are my guarantees? Let me help you, church. There are no guarantees in God, there are promises. But there are no guarantees. Well, uh, pastor, I, I want to know what's happening and, and where I'm going and, and how it's going to happen. No, 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 there are no guarantees. Paul said, I'm, I'm going on to Rome and I'm not sure what's going to happen to me. See, we don't, we don't want to be like Abraham, where God said to Abraham, leave everything you know, leave your family, leave your country, follow me, I'm going to bring you into a city whose, whose, whose builder and maker is God. And Abraham didn't say, well, when when are we going? And how are we going? And how do we get there? And and what's the schedule? And what's the itinerary? Because some of us need every last detail from God. I have news for you. You're not getting it. God just says, follow me. Am I going to prosper? You have no guarantee. Am I going to live? You have no guarantee. If I do the right thing, will it work out? You have no guarantee. Joseph did the right thing. He wound up in prison. Jesus did the right thing all the time, he hung on a cross. Why why are we so perplexed when we do the right thing that we go like what, what just happened here? Because we're living in a world that's absolutely different from the kingdom of God. But my friends, that's what faith is, that's what trust is. And when this young man looked at Jesus, somewhere he must have said, I don't trust you. And I don't like the exchange. Give it to the poor and follow you for for what now remember his question what was his question eternal life but evidently that wasn't the issue i think i think what he was maybe wanting worship team you can come up maybe what he wanted jesus to say was hey listen why don't you give me a portion of your goods because the rich young ruler would have said no problem I'll, I'll, I'll cut you a check, Lord. That's uh I can do that because I haven't a ab- see see what he wanted to do was he wanted to pay out of his abundance, not out of what he truly lacked. But you know, let me let me close with this illustration. Because you know what, what I preach, I have to follow. And you know that we've been running the food hub since really COVID began. And at the beginning, you know, there was all kinds of funds and government help and all that. And, and, and now all of a sudden, as of this past August, out of this past August, the money ran out. The money's run out. And, you know, every week Brother Zab telling me less and less people are giving you the COVID relief. And so, you know, we have, we have three employees there now. And we, 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 had to, we had to make a decision. So I brought together the team and I said, listen, we, we, we have to make a decision about, about the food hub. what do we do? Do we stop it do we end it do we lay people off what 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 do we do pastor about about the food hub and i really felt in my heart the lord say take a step of faith trust me believe me i know it's against your rational mind i i know that you're a businessman and from a business perspective this doesn't make sense and you know i have a beautiful couple here you know the wadwanis that years ago they they went to grenada Probably against their right, you know, he had a great trucking job. They were doing really well, and, and they felt they needed to go to Grenada, you know, quote-unquote, to open a business. But really, they probably gave away more stuff than they sold because they went for ministry. It was probably against their rational mind, but they knew that they had to become father and mother to a nation, and they, they were there, what, seven, eight years, right? Twelve years? Wow. What a great number, 12 didn't make sense. so, I said to the team, I said, we need to, I think we need to trust God. We need to take a step of faith. We just, we need to, we need just to believe that God wants us to do this thing. And they said, Pastor, we believe that too. That's the word of the Lord. Let's Let's see what God does. The very next day, church, the very next day, the Wendy's Corporation, you know, the people that sell burgers, go ahead, Liam. Uh, the very next day, Wendy's emails us and says, we have chosen you because of a connection in the church. And our name was submitted, we have chosen you and we're going to give you $5,000 for your food hub. Don't eat fish, go eat Wendy's burgers. (laughs) Or maybe they have a fish burger, I don't know. I was like, yeah, God's with me. God's with us. But it didn't end. The very next Sunday, very, we had met on a Wednesday. Thursday, we got an email from Wendy's. The very next Sunday, beautiful couple. Love these people. They've been with us for, for a very long time. They come up to me. They give me an envelope. They said, Pastor, we want to give this to the food hub. I said, what is it? They said it was cash. That's a good word. We open it up. $3,000. Come on, somebody. I'm like, oh, Yeah. God's with me. God's with us. Yes, Lord. doesn't end. Because the week after that, I was, I, was, I was talking about Wendy's and I said, hey, listen, if God's people won't do it, God will let the unbeliever pay the bill. And somebody in our church heard me make that statement. And they said, what did you say? Right after the service, it was like, hello, pastor, what did you say? I said, I say a lot of things. What are you talking about? He said, how much did Wendy's give you? I said, $5,000. He said, really? And he said, and you made a statement that if God's people won't pay the bill, the unbelievers will? I said, correct. He said, how do you feel about cash? I said, I feel really good about cash. He said, okay, pastor, I will see you next Sunday. A lot of people make statements like that, and I never see them. This young man, I know him very well. I knew I would see him. He comes up to me, thick envelope. How many know thick envelopes are good? He says to me, what did you say that Wendy's gave you? I said, $5,000. He said, and you said, if God, if God's people don't do it, the unbelievers will do it. I said, that's correct. He said, well, pastor, we are not gonna let the unbelievers out give the people of God. So here is $5,100 in cash. Come on somebody, come on!